This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Killing it. Um, cool. Well, I'm Josiah Perrin. I'm the youth pastor here at Gateway. And it's a holiday, so I'm speaking. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, I got my youth section up there. Make some noise, guys. All right, now be quiet. Okay, see? You like that training I got them on? Yeah. Um, And watch this, watch this, okay? You ready for this? This is cool. Okay, so uh, today is actually my last message that I'm going to be speaking to you as a congregation. Everybody say, aw. They've got it down, right? Like, that's good. I do that on Wednesday nights, and they're, they're like, they're, yeah, they're, they're trained. But this is, yeah, this is my last Sunday uh, speaking as a pastor here at Gateway. Um, for those of you who don't know, I, I'm, I've, I've felt this calling from God that it's, it's I, I need to be obedient to him and listen to him. Um, and the question that I keep getting from people that they continually are asking me, and it's really fun to answer, is kind of like, how are you feeling? Great, right? I love it. I love the fact that I'm leaving a job that I absolutely adore with leaders who I absolutely respect and love and kids who I literally like, like they are one of my loves in life. Like, yeah, I'm so happy to be leaving. No, like it's sad. It's a sad, it's hard and it hurts. Um, And so I I was like, whenever people would ask me um, or whenever people do ask me, I, I don't really know how to answer, but I do feel like I, I finally kind of got a, a good example of, of how it feels um, to be in this position. Because uh, I've been here at Gateway for seven years, and I've loved um, about six and a half of them. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I've loved every minute of, of being here at Gateway, and it's been an incredible time, and um, it, it's, it's, it's painful to leave. But on, on last two Mondays ago... We were playing Sprout Ball, which is a game in which you, it's basically dodgeball, but you, you play and you can get back in. And so I'm super competitive and also incredibly gifted at Sprout Ball, right? I went to Northwest University. This is what we do. And so I'm pegging these kids, right? One, two, ten, twenty. They're dropping like flies, right? They have to call a wambulance because they're whining so badly. I, I, I literally set out a box of adult diapers for them just to be like... If you're scared of my arm, there you go. You can have that, right? Um, actually, this, this Monday, I was getting wrecked by these kids. Like, they, they've gotten good, and they were, they were getting me out. And so uh, I get out, and one of the things in this game that, that can happen is if you get out, you then go down to your knees, and then uh, if you can get the ball and throw it, you can actually get back in the game. Like, there's redemption. There's hope, right? And so being the slightly competitive person that you may notice I am, I'm, like, I'm sitting there on the ground, and I'm looking at Elijah Campbell, and I'm like, I'm going to get this kid out, right? Like, I got to get this kid because he's gotten me like four times. So this ball comes skipping by, and it's about 10 feet away. And I think about it, and I'm like, okay, I'm six feet tall. My arm's about three feet. If I dive, I can catch this ball, right? Thank you. You know where this is going. And so I'm sitting there. This ball comes by. I lay out. I catch the ball perfectly, by the way, and then land directly on my rib cage right here. Like all 240 pounds of me lands directly onto this rib cage, 
And it hurt like a mother. <laughs> like, it hurt bad. I was like, I stood up and I'm like, ha ah! And all the kids are laughing at me because they thought it looked funny, right? And so they're, they're kind of like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And then inside, I wanted to put on the adult diapers and be a little, bit, little baby myself, right? Like, I'm crying. I can't breathe properly. Like I, I, I literally can't inhale because the wind gets knocked out of me so bad. Um, and I'm like sitting there, I'm like, <gasps> and like my leaders are kind of poking fun at me. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny, right? Like, this is funny. And then uh, I go out and I'm like drinking water. And luckily I recover, I recover. Uh, but I'm thinking to myself, like, have you ever gotten an injury and you're like, this is going to hurt really bad in like 30 hours from now when I'm in the sore phase? Like, you guys will experience this someday. But I'm like, this will hurt s- soon. Like, and I know it's coming. Well, that night I'm laying on the couch and I'm like crying to my wife. I'm like, babe, this is so painful, right? So then eight days go by and my rib is not even 1% better. I mean, I think it's actually gotten worse. And I'm like, did I break something? So I called my doctor. He's like, if it's still hurting that bad, you either bruised the cartilage or you broke your rib. And I definitely think I broke my rib. And so now we're two weeks out, and I'm like, I'm at like 80% of pain. It's, it's going down a little bit, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm old. And now you might be thinking, so Josiah, you realize that youth is over because you're old, right? And I'm like, I'm 28, okay? Calm down, everybody. I'm not that old. Um, two, no, that's not what I was thinking. What I was thinking was this. So throughout the week, I kept getting these comments from people who were like, your posture looks really good because it hurts to bend. So like slouching hurts. So like I'm like walking around like this all week. And Mario last Sunday is like, bro, you look broad today. Like you look like, like you look good. Natan on Wednesday was like, man, you're looking stacked. Like I don't even know what that means. And all these people, my wife is like, like we're sitting there watching TV and I'm like prim and proper watching. You know, and, and, and basically what's happening is like my posture got better as a result of me breaking, likely, breaking my rib. And it's like this painful thing that's actually making me have better posture in life. I'm thrilled about it. And I was like, wait a minute. That's exactly what leaving Gateway feels like. Like it's this really painful, difficult thing that I really, in a lot of ways, don't want to. Like I want to just remain comfortable. I want to slouch in my job and just be with my kids but because of this painful exit that I'm, having, that I'm having, I find myself postured before God in a healthy way that I've never found myself before. Like I haven't felt this way since Sarah was pregnant and we needed a job and then Tom Dushman called me. Like that's how I felt last time I felt this way. And I'm finding myself in that spot again of saying, I need to put myself before Jesus and obediently say, Whatever it is that you have for me, I'm going to do because I don't have a backup plan here. I don't have some job that I'm going to down the road. I don't have something lined up yet. Um, I have passions and I have things that I know I'm, I'm gifted in, but at the same time, I don't know how God's going to use that. And so it's a painful season. I'm mourning the loss of these guys. I'm, I'm holding on to them as tight as I can, but at the same time, I feel really healthily, health, healthily postured before Jesus. So if you're wondering... That's how I'm doing. And so um, in this season, Tom asked me, you get to speak on, 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 on Father's Day. And I was like, absolutely. That, that'll be perfect. It'll be one of my last Sundays with, with the church. And I said, what do, what do you want me to talk on? He said, anything you want. And so 
We're going to talk about Star Wars Episode 7. I'm just kidding. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> How funny would that be, though, right? I just take the whole service and talk about Star Wars. No, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> I don't even like Star Wars Episode 7. <laughs> episode 5, maybe. Okay, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. So um, we're, we're talking about, he said, you can talk about anything you want. And I said, well, what did I get to be a part of? What did I get to, to do while I was here at Gateway? And one of, one of those things that, that was a, a really fun experience for me was I actually got to redesign the website with a guy named Jim Owens, who was here last service. And when we were doing that, uh, he was doing all the techie side, and I was doing more of like the photos and things like that. And uh, we, we discovered that what we needed for the website was an outside message, which is a message that if anybody, believer or non-believer, came to our church and read that message, they would understand what it meant. So for example, a, a not a great outside message would be like, go and make disciples of all nations. Because then it's like, if you're not a believer, you're like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. That's a very, like, inside the church language. And so what we realized was, like, let's take that, make disciples. Let's take the go and make fishers of men. Let's take that and, and, and spell it out in a way that anybody who comes on our website from any country can understand. And what we came up with as a pastoral staff was this. Experience community. Find hope. Now, before I say this, I want to make it clear for Mr. Jeff Benkert up there, yes, community is not a verb, so it should say experience a community and find hope. And if anybody else is out there, I want to apologize now, or maybe I'll get some amens, right? <laughs> but experience a community and find hope. And so I was like, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about it through the lens of what does Scripture say we're supposed to do, and also how did I experience these two things in my time here at Gateway. So that's what we're going to jump into today. So... If you didn't get one, um, I encourage you. There's communion glasses um, at all the exits and entrances. At the end of the day, we're going to take communion together. So community, experience community. A lot of times we think of community as like kumbaya and sunshine, right? Like I think of community, I think like we're outside by the lake where there's volleyball happening, right? We're getting our knees scuffed up. We're, there's otter pops that are, you know, being handed out. Little kids run around with blue mouths and all that stuff. Like, that's like a day of community for me. Uh, for some of you, it might be like a church potluck. We got any potluckers in here? Yeah. By the way, I just want to say, um, if there's one thing that I didn't get enough of here at Gateway, church potlucks. Let's bring them back. Amen. Amen. All right. Anyway, I digress. That's actually where COVID started, by the way. But <laughs> little church potluck. But community is, is, is not really those things, right? Like community isn't just like the blessings that we receive in life. It's not just like these amazing memories. In fact, Scripture pretty clearly says like what it looks like. The community that, that we're shooting for, what it looks like in Scripture. And that comes in the book of Acts. Let's put that up here. This is Acts chapter 4. It says this, and many of you have heard this. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. There was no needy persons amongst them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, before your mind goes there, uh, no, I'm not saying that uh, we should be a socialist society. I, we know that that doesn't work great on a political and grand scale, but um, 
this is pretty clear that these people are sharing their possessions and, and not within need or, or, or not having needs of their own. And that sounds pretty amazing. That sounds great. Like we just all, like, all hang out and like you give me some stuff and I'll give you some stuff and it'll be great. Like that, that's, that's, that's how it's going to be, right? Well, before we re- read this verse, before we read this passage, it's important to understand what happened directly before this passage. What happened right before this statement was made about this beautiful nature of this community? So what happened was Peter and John are arrested for performing miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they return to the people of Israel, it's, it's not a return of like, yeah, we thought we were going to get out. It's a celebration of the fact that they thought they were about to get put on crosses and killed just like Jesus was about to be put, or just like Jesus was put on a cross and killed. And so they return to the people of Israel almost in this, uh, this mood of thanksgiving as they come. And the people begin to outcry and praise God for his incredible faith and, and, and for their release. And so they came together and it says that the people begin to pray together. And they get anointed with the Holy Spirit. And it isn't until that happens that they're united with one another in pursuing Jesus. And that's when we see this verse come out. It wasn't people saying, okay, we have these strengths, we have these giftings, we have this, this stuff. It's people saying, we all need to be united in the fact that we love Jesus, and then we're going to step into community with one another. If we look at the word community, it means a lot more than just the people who enjoy each other's company. Community in and of itself describes what we're called to be doing, which is called to be a group of people that are gathered and commonly united in one thing. And that one thing is pursuing Jesus together. That's what the people in the book of Acts were doing. And that's what we're called to do as a community and what I've experienced since I've been here uh, at Gateway. I've also experienced so many times when new people or, or people who have been in the church, honestly, for a long time, go from church to church to church and say, okay, how does this place benefit me? And I've done this myself. Okay, so I'm not above you. I'm not, I'm not, I don't need Jesus any less than you do. But I've gone to churches and I've said, okay, how does this place fit into my family? How do my, is it a good kids program? Is it a good, good youth program? Good adults program? Good worship? Is the carpet the right color? Do they use pads during worship? They better not use drums during worship, right? They, is the organ still getting played? Are there hymnals in the seats? Do they provide pens? Is it a digital pen? Do people wear masks? Do people not wear masks? There's all these different things that people go into a church saying, okay, if it checks this bucket list, then I'll attend. And let me just say this, um, that's not who we're called to be. That is not who we're called to be as a church. We are not here, um, we're not here just to be a social club that meets the needs of everybody around them. It's okay to benefit from the church, but it's not its sole purpose. The sole purpose of the church is to introduce you to Jesus. And we often fall into the trap of trying to meet people's needs or feeling like our needs need to be met. But there's a difference. What we should be doing as believers, and what I've seen happen here at Gateway in my life, uh, is this. We should approach the community and say this. How do my gifts and talents fit into this community that's already here? What do the blessings that I have in life have to offer to this group? How can I glorify God with my gifts and then hopefully help somebody in their weaknesses here within this community? Then you will be a community that you're seeking. 
and your talents will meet the needs of somebody else, and likewise. So to, put it, to paint a picture for you, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I love to, like, build stuff. I love to build, like, um, I don't know, everything's different. Like in youth ministry, I get to build random things. Like I get to build like crosses and then I get to build like giant youth letters. And I have this shop in the back of my house. Look at this. If anybody, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to appreciate that, I know. But jealousy's a sin. Be careful, okay? It, be careful. So this is my shop. And my wife, we have this garage that just nothing would fit into. And our, our car, like, literally can't get into. So she's like, you can do whatever you want with it. Like, just turn it into your shop. And that's my, that's my doing right there. I'm pretty proud of it. So, uh, and one day, I remember I, I have, like, all these tools. And I came into the office, and, and Mario was in his office. And I had just gotten a brand new DeWalt 20-volt uh, skill saw, and it was battery powered, and I was all hyped up on it because I could now cut without an extension cord, and I needed it to do some project I was doing at home, and um, I brought it in, or I didn't bring it in. I, 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 I came into the office, and I sat in Mario's office, and I was like, dude, I just got this new saw, and Mario's like, hmm, I bet your neighbor had one of those. And I was like, that's probably true. <laughs> like, like, my neighbor probably had the exact tool that I needed. And then he, he went on to basically paint this picture of like, imagine if everybody just let each other use their tools, like the shop we would have, right? And it just paints this picture of like, the body of Christ is this. It really is. It's saying basically, this is my gift. This is your gift. Let's get together and let's create something beautiful in the name of Jesus. Like, let's give all, all that we have. You'll be the planer. You'll be the table saw. You'll be the chop saw. I don't know why we need so many saws, but we need them, right? Get them in here, and let's build something. And if you don't have the tools, guess what? You might have the eyes to see it. You might be the visionary who says, no, maybe you need to take off a little bit here. Maybe you need to paint it this color. Maybe you need to be the, the mathematical one who says, this is where we're going to install it. All of us have these different giftings that if we use them together would be incredible, and that's what we're called to be as a church. That's what we're called to be as a community. There is no place for self-seeking attitudes within the church. Why? Because Christ didn't model that. He did not model that for us. And if we're united in the common goal that we're going to live like Christ, we can't come into this community saying, what do I get out of it? How do I benefit? If we all did this, if we all brought our gifts and our talents and our, and our, our giftings it would be kumbaya and bonfires and s'mores all the times. We would have all the resources we need. We just need people to participate in the community. But it doesn't look this way. <laughs> um, and, and the reasoning why is because sometimes we get distracted by the things happening here or over here. And, and, and I want to just make it abundantly clear. Community is something that I have probably experience greater here at Gateway than I have at any church in my life. It's not a, I'm not saying this in a way of like, so do better, everybody. Peace. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm saying today. What I'm saying today is this is something that I've experienced. For instance, in 2015, we were at Snowblast. We had the job offer here at Gateway, and this was before we came here. Um, and, and we're praying through whether or not we're supposed to go to Paulsbo, and, and I felt like this is it. And Sarah, my wife, said, hey, if God provides housing, then I'll really know it's true. Like, then I'll really know it's like, and I'm like, well, we're testing God here, but, you know, we'll see what happens, right? And so uh, literally within, I think it was within three days, we got a phone call from a family who owned a house 
in the middle of Paul's boat on Caldart who gave us a rent of $700 a month for a 3,600-square-foot house that was brand new. <laughs> 700 bucks a month. I mean, I was, like, absolutely blown away. I was like, holy cow. You see, they had a resource, and I had a need, but they knew that I, coming into this community, would benefit the kingdom. It would benefit the community. Again, in 2017... Um, the house had to get uh, be sold and so we were in the same boat Sarah's pregnant again with my second daughter Ellie and we're nervous because the house is being sold that we're living in and we're needing to find something and the housing market's starting to go up and there's this family um, I don't don't know if you guys know them Um, they've been here a while they're called the Douchemans you guys know that name? you've heard yeah you've heard of that guy? okay so uh, his name is Tom. He's an incredible guy, one of my mentors. He reached out to me and said, okay, I know you're looking for a house right now, Josiah. I know you don't want to live in an apartment um, with, with your family expanding. And he goes, uh, my mother has a house that's available, and we want to sell it to you. Basically, tell us what you can pay. And so that's where I still live today. Like, it's an incred- it was an incredible blessing um, and again, and throughout the years, there's this man named Jerry Springer who, who has blessed me with countless hours on the weekend fixing my cars and doing oil checks and, and replacing tires and, I don't know, ripping out barns and all these different things that I've done with Jerry. He's just blessed me immensely with his time because we have this common belief that if I bless you, you're going to continue to go and bless the kingdom. It's, it's this bringing what you have forward and, and letting people experience community. A community doesn't just happen when we're in moments of blessing. It happens actually a lot of times in moments of sadness, in moments of despair, in moments of grief. Uh, I remember when my daughter came and she was just crying through the night and I was exhausted at work and I, was, I had leader situations going on and all these different things. And I remember going into Pastor Dave's office and he just in that moment said like, let's spend some time praying together. Like, let's slow down, pause for a second, and let's focus on Jesus. And that's what community should be for one another. It's not just the fun moments. It's not just, it's seeing the need that's in front of you and saying, I can fill that need. I can fulfill that spot in your life. And now, you might be saying, so is community just to benefit us? Like, is that, is that what you're saying then? It's, like, it's just, it, it, it's kind of like you pay into the system and then you get paid out of it? No, that's not what I'm saying. So let's look at what Scripture does say will happen within the community of God. This is in Matthew 16, 18. It says this, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What it's saying is that his church as a community, if you remain in this community, it's going to remain strong when everything else is crumbling around you. When everything else appears to be getting scorched up in flames, this community is going to be built on the rock, and not even hell itself could overcome it. So there's safety within the community for us as believers. And there will be difficult and trying season when God is wiping away all that is false and only leaving what is truly of God to stand. And what that means is we need to not just be in a community so that we can call ourselves community, but we need to be in a community that is focused on him and remaining in him. It says this in John 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. What this means is that there's going to be a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses, there's going to be a lot of churches that come up and say, yeah, we're of God. This is it. But they're not focused on what God is actually calling them to. They're focused on these secondary issues here and there, and they're making that what their church is built around, not built around the gospel and Jesus. And so God is going to come in, and sometimes in painful ways, he's going to prune those branches. But what Scripture says is that when he does that, the churches that remain faithful to him will grow even more fruit. They will be even more plentiful. And I am so confident leaving this place saying, this place is going to continue to produce fruit. It absolutely will because it is remaining in him. I remember at the beginning of COVID, it was kind of that scary feeling of like, where are we, what's going to happen here, right? Like, I think we all had that moment. And as a pastor, I'm like, okay, so what does youth pastoring look like when we can't gather, we can't, we can't play games outside and all this stuff? And I remember I, I called Tom and I just said, hey, like, what's the game plan? How are we going to navigate this next season? And he said, we are going to lead with a steady hand. And I just, that really stuck with me through this whole thing. It's like, we just need to go through life with a steady hand and with our eyes fixed on Jesus and do not look to the left or the right. The truth is, if we look at the community in Acts and we think, man, wouldn't that be great? We need to also realize something else. Um, the community in the book of Acts did not live a kumbaya happy life. It was difficult, right? They are, look at what that verse says. I'm going to pull it up here. I didn't do this last service, so the, the slide person may not be ready for this. Um, but where, where is it? There we go. It says this. Um, let me find it here. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, that's after they've been arrested, beaten, and flogged for God. It says that with great power amongst this community, they continued to go after him. They continued to worship him. They continued to serve him. And the truth is, a lot of times we say, yeah, I want the community, but I don't want to suffer on behalf of the gospel. That's, that sounds hard. That sounds difficult. Like, nobody wants to suffer on behalf of the gospel. That's difficult. But Ephesians 2.10 says verses like this that can pull us out of that mindset. It says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. What God is saying here, he says, Listen, I'm calling you to community, to a community for a reason. There are works that have been set in motion since before I created you, and you're going to be part of fulfilling that. And you were created for a time such as this, and yes, it will require sacrifice, and it will require suffering on behalf of the gospel. Our calling as a church is to make the church what Christ said she would be. Hope to the hopeless. It needs to be a place where we can find our hope. And this is where we get to the good part. Um, we get to find, after we've experienced community, after the church becomes community, which I believe Gateway is, we find our hope. And this one's much simpler. 
it's, it's a lot shorter, so don't worry. If you're looking at it like, geez, are we only halfway through? Don't worry, we're going to clip through this. You guys, don't worry. Red Robin will still be open, okay? Just, just chill out. So this one's much simpler. If we find our hope in Jesus. Um, if we as a community are, are focused on like, like not, not only focused, but like laser focused ourselves on Jesus, then the most amazing thing in the history of humanity takes place. Do you know what happens when we do that as a community? This is, this, is why, this is what makes it all worth it. If we are focused on Jesus and putting him first and following his will, we get to be part of living out the gospel of Jesus. That's the greatest news we could ever say or ever hear. We get to be part of bringing people into the family of Jesus. How uplifting is that? Let me tell you something. When they say they were without need, they're not talking about finances. They're not talking about cars and laptops and iPhones. Like, they're not talking about that. When they say they weren't in need, it means that they were satisfied with the life that God was giving them. And we can be that as well. Because we have our hope placed in Jesus. And the truth is, when we leave this place, there's no cars coming with us. There's no iPhones coming with us. There's no fancy clothes or houses. What comes with us is other people. That's it. That's why we're here. Let's remove the bait and switch of saying, hey, we're all about this. We got poppy worship, blah, blah, blah. And then saying, oh, by the way, we actually want you to meet Jesus. No, let's put that first and foremost. We want to be a community that finds our hope in Jesus and loves him and pursues after him. Because listen to this, John 13 says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Just by the way that we treat and interact with each other is going to send a message to the people of our community saying, holy cow, those people have hope in something where I don't. And there are people out there who are struggling and wrestling and who need Jesus just as much as you did when you first met him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30 says this, and this is really a testament to who Jesus is to us and who Jesus is to the community, which I, which I don't know if I made this clear, but it, it kind of sounds like a big burden to take on this community because it's suffering on behalf of Jesus. But listen to what Jesus says. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30 says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. While it may sound scary and dark to go out and preach the name of Jesus or to be the Jesus to the people around us, let me say that if we're truly doing it, if we're resting in God, his yoke is light because it's actually a joy for us to be doing it. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, I want to say, as a community, this morning, we're going to actually take some time to uh, do communion together. But before we do that, I think it's important, if you are joining us for the first time, or if you're in this room and you've been doing communion your whole life, uh, we're going to talk about why we do communion. Why do we have this thing called hope? And I think it's beautifully written in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let's look at this together. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So that's the call to the community. Okay? It's not saying come into this with any other attitude. You need to be like Christ. 
And it describes Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and they gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Our hope is found in Jesus because he became a servant to humanity and paid the debt for which we could not pay. He took death upon his shoulders so that we don't have to experience it and that is where we receive our hope as a community. That is what we're called to drive towards as a community because we can experience life in him. And so let's take communion together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and get the bread ready. That's where we're going to start. Lord, we look to you in this moment. We feel uh, this bread is a reminder of the body that was broken so that this body could be complete. The body that was beaten and, and, and abused so that this body could be uplifting and encouraging the needs of the people around us. I thank you for the community that I've gotten to experience in my time here. And I also thank you that that community is not limited to these walls. I know it will continue on past this. But Lord, we take and we eat and we remember what you did uh, on that cross at this moment. Let's take and eat. And as we remember the community, the body of believers that, that, that you've called us to, we also look to the hope. The hope that is found in nothing less than your blood that was poured out for us. There's no other if, and, or buts about it. This is why we're here, because of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf all those years ago. So Lord, we thank you for your blood poured out on humanity to rescue us. We take and we drink in this moment. Lord, we thank you. You are the God above all gods. You are the Jireh and you are enough. And so, Lord, I pray that this church, myself going forward, would continue to see you that way. As enough, that you are our hope, you are our community, you are our refuge. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name.